Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in smaller or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for those who lead in the Church of Christ. This is Andrew Cook and it's wonderful as always to be in your company. Ephesians, Ray Tibbs continues the series... And how near is God? That's coming up in A Pastor Talks. In recent programmes here on Serving Today, as part of our series on the New Testament letter of Ephesians, we've been thinking about Paul's teaching on marriage. We've looked at submission headship and husbands loving their wives. Well, we're joined once again by Ray Tibbs and he begins by refreshing our memories about which passage we've been going through. Yes, we've been going through Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 33. And having considered these verses from the point of view of the human relationships they describe, we're now going to consider the same verses from the point of view of the spiritual relationship they illustrate between Christ and the church. Yes, we read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 33 in the previous two programmes. Ray, what's the first spiritual lesson or truth that this passage then points to? First of all, verse 25 tells us that Christ loved the church. This is the highest form of love being referred to here. It's not a love of passion or affection or satisfaction, but the love of esteem. It is awakened at the sight of whatever is loved, for it sees value in it. The church is precious to Christ and his love for it is defined by two factors. First, it is active. Loved refers to an action in the past. Christ gave himself for it in an act of self-sacrifice. Acting as her substitute, he surrendered himself to death, so that she would benefit from his action. Secondly, it's exclusive. It was a unique act, performed only for the church. The result is that the church belongs to him and no other. There are no other claimants upon her. This point reminds us of an important doctrinal issue. Because we believe that God loved the world and sent his only begotten Son, so that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, it's easy to think that Christ loved the world and died for it. But here, Paul is quite clear that Christ loved the church. He had to come into the world sent by the love of God, but he died only. 
for the church. What's the next spiritual lesson that marriage points to? In verse 29, we're told that Christ loves the church. Now, this is a continuous action. The church continues to be dependent upon Christ for her survival. He provides all that she needs. The unique union of the two is shown by this, and nobody else benefits from him in the same way. And what else is true of Christ and the church? Well, verse 23 tells us that Christ rules the church. Christ is head over all things, chapter 1, verse 22, but especially the church. Yes, let's just remind ourselves of that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. His right to rule in this additional way was secured by his salvation of the church. His headship over everything else is devoted to his rule of the church. Christ employs all the resources at his disposal for the good of the church. Her response to his rule should be joyful, willing and voluntary submission to him, knowing that will be best for her and most honouring to him. She will not get the same care from any other source, so it is in her best interest to remain faithful to him. Because the church is so dependent upon Christ, his headship determines its identity, its activity and its harmony. What other spiritual truth does marriage point to here? Well, in verse 26, we're told that Christ sanctifies the church. The immediate intention of Christ's loving rule of the church is to separate her to God for his service. That's what sanctified means. There is both dedication and reformation. She must be cleansed from the guilt and the pollution of sin to be rendered suitable to serve him. Baptism both illustrates and proves this deliverance, which is also commanded, explained and applied through the scriptures. And that's what Jesus prays for his disciples in John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And that brings us to the final spiritual lesson based on marriage from Ephesians chapter 5. Yes, in verse 27 we're told that Christ will present the church. The ultimate intention of Christ's loving rule for the church is the glorious presentation of her to himself one day. 
And that's anticipated in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. At the time of writing, when these New Testament epistles were being prepared, the process by which a bride and bridegroom become one had three stages and as an earthly picture provides a beautiful illustration of these spiritual realities. First of all comes betrothal. This is more binding than what we might think of as engagement. The pair were already then legally married. The church was promised to Christ before the world began. Yes, we saw that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. After that happened came the preparation. This is the interval during which the bride is made ready for union with her husband. It ends with the bridegroom coming to collect his bride, and they process to the banquet together. This is the period in which we're living now, being prepared for the day when the Lord Jesus will come and take us to himself. The third element is the banquet. This is the celebration of their union at which they both arrive together. This is the point at which the bride is seen to be worthy of the bridegroom. The preparation has finished, and she has no blemishes. From then on, she is totally devoted to her husband. That is the portion that the church has in the future, when all the believing people of God will be taken up into glory. What a wonderful promise and a challenge to those of us who are married about the responsibility we have to reflect these wonderful spiritual truths about Christ and the church. Thank you again, Ray. An experience that probably most of us have as Christian believers is to sometimes wonder why God seems so distant and remote. Well, if that's the case, in a pastor talks, Malcolm Ryan says that we're in good company. Now in Psalm 10, the writer David asks, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In their arrogance the wicked hunt down the weak, catching them in the schemes they devise. They boast about the cravings of their hearts, they bless the greedy and revile the Lord. In their pride, the wicked do not seek him. In all their thoughts, there is no room for God. As we read the book of Psalms, we find that David was constantly in and out of trouble. And that was also true of the Apostle Paul. Oh, and of course, the Lord Jesus. In fact, our Lord ended up in the most difficult place of all, crucified as he was on a Roman cross. Here then is David asking, O Lord, why do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? 
So why do we think God is so far from us? What makes us think he might have deserted us? Well, we shouldn't think that way at all, because we know that God is everywhere, and he's promised never to leave us. As for David, he only felt as if God was far away. And here's a good lesson for us. Let's not base our judgments only on our feelings. Instead, let's base our life on faith. Because faith says, I'm going to trust the Lord no matter what I see, no matter what I think, and no matter how I feel. Yes, David was in trouble. Evil men were persecuting him. But in this psalm, Psalm 10, David comes to the Lord and essentially says, Lord, you know all about this, and you're going to take care of it. So, when it seems as if God is far away, remind yourself that in fact, he's just as close as ever. Thanks to Malcolm Ryan for reminding us about God's presence with us. And that's the end of our time together here on Serving Today. We do hope that the programme has been helpful to you in your ministry. If you would like to ask us about anything you've heard, please do contact us as we'd love to hear from you. Details on how to do that follow in just a moment. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may the presence of God be with you as you serve Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.